here we go. Hello, and welcome to Principles for Principles, a podcast for school leaders to share, learn, and connect about current ideas and best practices in school leadership. This show is for school and district administrators. Whether you are an experienced or novice leader, this podcast is for you. We are excited about today's conversation to continue sharing and exploring ideas, tips and resources in developing or fine-tuning your leadership skills. We are your hosts, Jeff Warshaw and Aaron Dare from the San Diego County Office of Education. And today we are excited to talk about adaptive leadership with our colleague and friend, executive leadership coach, Dr. Brian Butler. Brian's here to talk to us about the power of adaptive leadership. Hi, Brian, and thanks for being a guest today. As you know, we asked you to join us to talk about the power of adapted leadership. We know that you have some experience in this area and we thought you can give our listeners some some of your personal insight. Um, As you know, our podcast is geared towards school leadership and we recognize that being an adaptive leader can support many things and especially with decision-making. Hi, Brian. Welcome. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. Great. Well, you know, today we're talking about adaptive leadership. And so um, we're hoping we can start off with just you telling us in your own words, what is adaptive leadership? Sure, sure. So adaptive leadership draws upon some of the leadership uh, theory uh, of this idea that like there's some some changes are technical in nature and others are adaptive. And, you know, it's been popularized by Heifetz and Linsky um, in that space where uh, they talk about technical change as being change that is like there's a clear definition of a problem and there's a clear solution. And a lot of times the solution is more top down or more authoritative in nature in terms of finding those solutions. And that's contrasted with like adaptive problems, which are there really aren't clear identification of the problem maybe. And there's definitely not clear solutions, which ultimately requires like a broader audience in terms of engagement in the, in the solution. Like we need to engage the entire system in terms of, you know, staff, students, our community um, in, in finding the solution to the answers. You know, that in Heifetz and Linsky aren't the only ones to talk about this. Like it, the phenomenon that they're describing exists in other terminology. Like you might've heard it as transactional versus transformational change. Um, you know, whereas transactional is a little bit more like top down in terms of like, you know, carrying out a directive from a, from uh, up above, so to speak. Um, you might've also heard it, uh, Marzano and Solution Tree referred to it as like first order versus second order change. You know, the terminology is the same, but uh, our terminology is different rather, but ultimately they're describing the same sort of leadership phenomena uh, that's occurring within the system. It sounds like you're pulling out that word change that's in, in a lot of those different scenarios. And, um, you know, something that is interesting about leadership is that, you know, we, 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 talk, we wanted to talk about this top topic because we want to know a little bit more about adaptive leadership. And so um, could you possibly tell us a personal experience that you may have had with, um, you know, adaptive leadership and maybe it was a recent or past challenge that required you as a leader to respond adaptively? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So uh, a colleague and I are working in a district and uh, recently, and we had this like guiding question around like, you know, what are you learning from your additional or tier two supports? And like, how is that informing like tier one or your universal instruction? And our thinking was that that was going to really kind of explore some of the sort of technical side of what might be happening within the system. Uh, However, we, we quickly realized through conversation and and actually hearing specific things from the district leadership was that we were really not tapping into a technical problem, but more an adaptive one, because many of the systems that 
are necessary in order to answer that question, we're not in place. And, and so we quickly had to transition to like pause it a little bit and, and open broaden the conversation to talk about, okay, so in light of this, like what, what are some barriers that you currently have in your system that, um, that we might have to like discuss and, and potentially overcome and like whose voices need to be at this table that are not currently at the table because uh, what we thought was more of a technical in terms of like soliciting some data and things like that to, to inform the conversation, we quickly realized that, that there were a lot of pieces of the system that just weren't in place and that they had many barriers to get those pieces in place. And so we had to like do a little bit of like searching in terms of like, okay, like what, what would be, you know, sort of a step one in this and like, how are we going to get some more voices in the table to kind of find some solutions to some of these, some of these problems. So yeah, granted, like we started out with a difficult question, you know, but like I said, we, we were thinking it would be more around like connecting some dots on the technical side of their system. But in reality, there were pieces that just weren't in place and they didn't know how to get them in place. And so we had to kind of shift gears to like figure out, okay, like how, how might we engage a broader audience in terms of data discussions? And how are we going to overcome some of the contractual barriers to getting those, those conversations in place? Because there were some contract issues that were putting, you know, pitting the district uh, and, and sites kind of at odds a little bit. And so we were having to explore some of those pieces from a different lens than we originally thought. Brian, that example is really helpful. Um, and, and it makes me wonder about sort of the evolution of adaptive leadership and adaptive thinking, right? Like, and, and the idea that we may not be born wired for adaptive leadership and, and, and navigating change. So what are some of the ways that you, in your own reflecting on the way that you navigate spaces like you just described, how do you work to improve your ability to respond adaptively? How is that a kind of a leadership muscle that we can, can strengthen? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. It's a meaty question. And I think I think that's one of the big challenges that districts face and sites face is this idea of like, how do we, how do we ad work adaptively and not adapted? And by that, I mean, you know, how do we move and shift some of the current norms and processes that are, we currently have that might be, that might have met needs previously, but that are not meeting our current context and are not meeting our current student needs. And so it's a matter of like, how do we shift practice how do we morph practice? And it, and quite honestly, it's really that idea that I'm trying to capture this idea of, of being nimble, the idea of the concept that um, equilibrium is the precursor of death to steal a term from the biological sciences, this idea that we never fully arrive. We're constantly adapted, adapting to our current context and our current environment. And I think like from a site and district perspective, there are a, a couple of buckets of work that I think uh, that are kind of key to continuing to be adaptive. Like, and one of them is this idea of like organizational capabilities. And I'm, I'm stealing some language from like the, the adaptive school from Bob Garstrom, this idea that there are organizational capabilities that need to be worked on from a, both a site and district ability that, the, side, the idea of like, how do we constantly engage people in like this idea of like their personal values and their vision? Like we might, we might call it their, ultimately their why, like, why are we here? You know, and, and tapping into that moral imperative, like that, that needs to be intentional work to constantly come back to that. Um, the idea of like initiating and, and managing some sort of like site and district adaptations. And, you know, Garstrom refers to it like these three really important questions of like, who are we? Why are we doing this? And why are we doing it this way? 
you know, constantly bringing back and, and resurfacing like the need to potentially shift practice in order to meet our current context. Answering those three questions today, it was probably different than how we might have answered them five years ago. And it definitely should be different than how we answer them five years from now. There's constantly things happening, both in terms of our economy, there's constantly shifting uh, um, students, demographics. There's a lot of things that are occurring uh, that really require us as school systems to constantly go back to those three questions of who are we? Why are we doing this? And why are we doing it this way? Those are really powerful questions that uh, need to be constantly surfaced under that, like organizationally speaking, um, really refining this idea of a collaborative culture. You know, oftentimes we talk about it in PLCs or teams. Those are really important things. It's only through the teamwork of like ILTs or PLCs are we really going to get to the necessary changes. Um, it can't be top down. It needs to be worked out from the team up. Um, and then just the, the, the ability to use data effectively. I mean, that's from an organizational perspective, that's super important. And then in terms of professional capabilities, like how do we set the context to like actually work together collegial? Just because we have PLC time and just because we go into someone's room doesn't necessarily mean that we have the, we're all showing up with the necessary skills to get to that right spot for the student's benefit. Like if we're working as a team and I'm not showing up with a space to like, to provide some feedback to somebody and then and also receive feedback, um, then the PLC time may not be as productive as it's necessary to meet the student needs. Um, just the idea of like being really clear in terms of my own knowledge of standards and beliefs, uh, it's another really key thing. Being really, uh, in terms of professional capabilities, the idea of being really clear in terms of having a real strong repertoire of instructional skills, um, and then knowing a lot about my current students and how they learn. Like, constantly going back to what are we learning about our students? You know, so there's these two buckets, organizational capabilities, which I described, and then professional capabilities. We have to attend to both of those. If we don't attend to both, then we're gonna see red flags in the system. There's gonna be problems. Yeah, that's so, so many like rich thoughts there, right? That, and, and I think those questions that you referenced are, are such a powerful lens for, for all of us to bring to the way we do our work. Um, and then I'm also struck by the, the the, the quote that you referenced around the equilibrium as the precursor to death, like that the idea that imbalance actually works to our advantage in an adaptive space, right? That we are, we're striving toward balance, but we're actually, the fact we're not balanced causes us to continue to make adjustments and to change. Like that's a, that's a really a, a neat metaphor for, um, for adaptive change and, and the, the leadership that's necessary to continue to navigate that imbalance. So that's, that's yeah. really cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for, on a practical level, for school leaders who are listening, you know, what, what are the implications of all of that in terms of the day-to-day -day experience? Like if I'm a school leader and I'm working on honing my adaptive practices, like what, what advice would you give me in terms of where I should look next or what I should think about when it comes to, um, to how I could grow in that area? Yeah, I'd, I'd say first is, is get a balcony view. And I'm, I'm that term, I'm stealing that from Heifetz and Linsky, and that, and the idea of like getting up above the system, see the system, like see what's happening in your system. And, and I know in our CASC program and in our past program, we often talk about being systems thinkers, right? And that's so important in, in, in the idea of getting above the system to see what's really going on here. And that's, and so that I'd say that would be one sort of practical piece of advice is getting 
having a lens to see what might be happening at, a, at, at the system level. And then like, obviously there, you know, schools and districts are complex systems. There's systems, systems upon systems. And so you have to really sort those things out. So that's one. I think the other is like keeping an eye towards how do I mobilize others in solving these difficult problems? You know, like, and, the, and, and whether you call that distributed leadership, whether it's, you know, you're, you're harnessing the teams that are currently in existence, but mobilize others. Like the idea that you really need to be more about selling the problem and not selling a solution. And, and that's because ultimately this, the solution is going to come when multiple people are engaged in, in, in discovering and learning and being curious together. If your time and effort is really about selling a solution, um, that's, that's probably not going to help you in these adaptive problems. That also changes the investment and ownership that the rest of the system has too, right? If I've, exactly. I've had to sell you on it, you're less likely to to be as right. personally invested as if you were participating in the, the development of that solution, right? Yes, yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Great, all right. Well, we appreciate uh, your insight and your expertise and everything you have uh, have brought to us. Um, one of the things we um, have established a tradition of here on the show is uh, we don't like to let any guest go before we go through a little rapid fire round of three fun questions. To, uh, to get a little bit uh, of insight about you and get to know get to know our guests a little bit. So if you're game, um, you know, we, will, we will bring it on. Okay, bring it on. So okay. It's, it's quick and painless. Okay. Um, we'll start with a softball. What is the very first movie you ever saw in a theater? Uh, my recollection was Bambi. And I was really embarrassed because I saw it with my family and I cried when Bambi got shot, Bambi's mother got shot. And I remember uh, like my mom like saying, it's okay, it's okay to cry. And I'm like, thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the first movie I remember. Wow. Re that's, recollection of. That's great. That's, uh, yeah. that, that's a, both a, a, a good and a, a challenging memory for you, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have an older brother, so he never let me live that down. I'm sure. Comes up in a conversation. All right, yeah. second question. Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Most famous person I've ever met. Uh, wow, I, I would say uh, I, I've played a lot of baseball, like, and, and I played like high school baseball with some guys that went on to do some great things. And so I like played high school ball and grew up playing ball with like Jason Jambi and Jeremy Jambi, some guys that went on to play some and the Lytle brothers who all played for New York uh, for the Yankees. So I, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of, you know, played a lot of baseball with those guys. And, uh, but I also met Manny Moda for those of you that are some old, uh, I'm going to say Dodgers. I know it's the San Diego podcast. I'm going to reference the Dodgers, uh, but I met Manny Moda and uh, Ben Hines were also some, also some guys that, you know, worked for the Dodgers and, and did some things. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. All right. The last question is kind of a two-part question. Um, where, what was, the first time and place that you flew to on an airplane and how old were you? And then what is the next airplane ride that you uh, either are scheduled to take or hope to take? All right. Uh, first, uh, I think I was like 10 uh, and uh, I have a lot of family in Tennessee. Uh, that's where my dad lives. And so I've, uh, I flew, I drove there and then flew home from Tennessee was, was the, on Southwest was my first uh, first time on an airplane. Yeah, I think it was about 10. 
Uh, and, and sadly to say, uh, probably my next plane ride will be to the same place <laughs> uh, to visit my dad. Uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, I was there in January. He had some health, health problems. And so I'll probably be heading back there soon to, to see how he's doing. And, and, and I, not just to see him, but also I, I do enjoy being there. It's yeah. relaxing. All right. Well, shout out to Brian's dad out yeah. in Tennessee. So yes, very absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here. Um, and thanks to everybody for joining us on this episode of Principles for Principles. If you want more leadership resources, you can subscribe to our Today's Informed Principle Sheet using the link in the podcast show notes. And if you have feedback or want to give us a shout out on today's episode, you can tweet us at SD underscore principles. We always love to hear from you. And we hope you'll join us again next time for more school leadership tips. Thank you for listening.